Welcome to the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast, a podcast where we teach speakers how to land paid speaking engagements and corporate contracts. Each week, we deliver high-quality content that teaches you how to level up your speaking business. Be sure to join the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group after having your mind blown by this information-filled episode. Now, here's your host, Ashley Kirkwood, lawyer and professional speaker. This is the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast. Hey guys, it's Ashley Kirkwood back again with the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast. And I know you guys are wondering, where is the interview series? So we're back this week with Mike Nelson, the superstar education speaker. Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, I am so excited to be here. First and foremost, thank you for the invitation and thank you for the opportunity. And let's get into it. Definitely. So Mike, how did your speaking career get started? Um, I'm going to give you the short version of the long story. Um, I I remember when I was younger and my mom would always tell me, she would say, as a matter of fact, I was over her house not too long ago. She pulled up like an old video and was like, I was like making faces in front of this camera. We were like on a family trip. And she was like, you always were so talkative. You always were like entertaining and doing something. Now, I didn't know that that was going to help me to get here. And I started to notice, like, sometimes when I was in school, sometimes I would get in trouble because I would just talk a lot and I would get in trouble sometimes, but not knowing that, you know, I have a gift to be able to communicate. And so I think what happened was uh, I stumbled across, and this is everybody's story, it kind of stumbled across Eric Thomas. And I was like, wait a minute, this guy in the hat, he kind of brought a hip hop feel to the motivational speaking game. You know, if you're familiar, you know that. Motivational speaking is mainly dominated by white males. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw him, I older was like, white males, older white males. And I was like, wait a minute, because, you know, you have like Les Brown, love Les Brown and death. Yeah. Les Brown was like in the suit. And I was like, ah, I'm not sure I can get down with that. But when I saw E.T. in the head, I was like, yo, I think I can do that. And so maybe a few years um, I went to college um, and I had a couple of opportunities to be able to speak. You know how they bring visitors on campus and you know they said Mike can you do a 15 minute presentation on you know life at Valley Forge that was the name of my college and I was like oh yeah I could do that and I would do it and they would say yo this I, we, we don't know where this came from but you must keep doing it so I was like okay so I kept doing it it felt great I graduated and um I kind of was looking for a job and I worked in admissions so the educational piece fit and I was like hmm I like talking to students, you know, uh, I'm able to help them and their parents through this process. And one day I was working at a career in college school um, and we had orientation every six weeks. And so something went wrong and they was like, Mike, you think that you could get up and share a few words? I was like, I mean, orientation starts in 10 minutes. They was like, yeah, just go ahead and put something together real quick. So I went on ahead, I did it. And they were like, yo, this was all that. You think that you can do this every new student orientation? And I was like, yeah. So I did it. It felt good. Um, I ended up, the school ended up closing down. And I said to myself, I said, I really think I need to go ahead and I really think I need to pursue this. So I started volunteering at schools. And then before you know it, phone calls start going around. Principals, no principals. Educators, no educators. Mm-hmm. And here I am. Awesome. So when did you get your first paid speaking engagement? Okay, so I got my first paid speaking engagement five years ago. Now, let me back up. I don't want to lie. Technically, it was about a decade ago because for those of you who don't know, I am a man of faith, so I am a preacher. And so I preached my first, I'm 30 years old, I preached my first sermon at 19. And so, you know, they give you what they call in the church world, offering, offering, (laughs) honorarium. So yeah, that would probably be the first time I got paid to speak. But if we go on the flip side... Um, in the education world, the first time I got I got paid, I was I was shocked. The guidance counselor pulled out two twenty dollar bills and was like, "Here you go." And when <laughs> I, you, I lost it, I said forty dollars. I spoke for like thirty minutes. I was like, "Wait a minute, Mike." I think from that point, I got hooked. I was like, "Uh oh, somebody <laughs> pay you to speak?" I was like, "Uh." So I thought the forty dollars it blew my mind. I was like, "Mike, you have to stick with." This so that was actually the very first time I that ever got. That is amazing. The forty dollars did it. It uh, was like $40. I got a taste. This is all I need. <laughs> this is all I, I said. Well, I thought I was living a life with forty dollars. I was like, I made forty dollars a day, and I only spoke for about 20, 30 minutes. It was, it was amazing. 
So yeah, that was the first time I got paid paid to speak. That is awesome. And so when did you decide that you were going to run a formalized speaking business? And how did you set your rate? Because if $40 was the first rate that you received and you were like, yeah, this is dope. How did you start to set your speaking fee and make it a business that can be monetized and sustainable? Yeah. So I think for me, when I first got paid to speak, you know, I didn't know anything five years ago. I just was like, Ooh, 40 bucks. I was like, let's go. So I think for me, I started off and I said, all right, Mike, well, you can't say it's $40. So I was like, Mike, just do 50, 50, $40 seemed a little odd. I was like, just do, just do 50 bucks. So I started out at 50 and then, um, I started going up and I said, you know what, if I can get 50, I probably can get a hundred. So then we did a hundred and I said, if I can get a hundred, let's try 250. And I got 250. And when I got 250, I went to 500 and somebody gave me 500 and I, you would have thought I had a, a check for a million dollars. I was like, I can't believe this. So for me personally, <laughs> um, I used to just, I used to just experiment. I would say, look, Somebody going to give me $500, I would just say, okay, I guess that this is my new rate. So actually how I set my rates now is when I get the highest number, that's my new rate there. I just say, well, hey, this is my new rate now. Um, but you got to factor in as far as if you're traveling, cost, yeah. time. But if it's something that's local, I'm like, oh, yeah, we need to go ahead and uh, kind of get, get that. So for speakers out there, if you say, I need to know how to charge my rate, Here's a rule of thumb that I've learned from my coach is that you can only charge what you're comfortable saying. Like if, yes. if, you, if you if you say out your mouth and you like three hundred dollars, and you it's like oh you might not want to charge it because you don't believe it. So when you say it, you have to be confident. So I always tell everybody, I would rather the speakers I train, I would rather you speak, do a free speech, than somebody pay you five hundred dollars and it is absolutely terrible. So you want to be sure if you're somebody's paying you, you have to be bringing value. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think this goes to something that we talk about in Speak Your Way to Cash, that your rate is based more on your confidence than your competence. So you can't really say your rate's going to be $5,000 if you're going to be wavering in that. But then, too, you <laughs> can look at some of the industry standards. So, like, pricing is the number one question that I get is like, oh, yep how much should I charge? And a part of it is like, well, how much are you going to ask for? Because I could tell you, you should charge $2,500 to start. But if you're not going to say that, then you're going to have to charge what you're comfortable saying. And, and it makes, that's why pitching is so important. If you pitch consistently, you'll be more comfortable saying your rate and asking for what it is that you actually deserve. But in the college market, what I found is like junior colleges, their budgets are just lower than four-year universities typically. Yeah. And most of the times, high schools are even lower. Elementary schools sometimes can be non-existent or lower. <laughs> I was just asked to speak at an elementary school. I gave them my rate. They were like, nah. And I was like, well, did you go with another professional speaker? And she was like, we normally just do lunch. So right, I was like, oh, right. have a blessed lunch day. Lunch car. <laughs> happy. I was like, well, God bless you. That's not going to work for me. But have a good day. Like, that's cool. I mean, <laughs> like, it you is what it is. Say no. Like, sometimes you have, you have to, to say get no. to the point where you're comfortable and saying, all right, if you charge $5,000, and of course you start at the premium, and yeah. let's say they, they say, we only got $3,500, you have to make a choice and say, you got to have a number where say, this is where I don't go below because yeah. I know my value and I know what I'm going to bring to the table. So, Everybody, I remember the first time I said no, it almost broke my own heart. I was like, did you just say no? And I almost talked myself in the bag and go and say, hey, I was thinking about, can we renegotiate? And I was like, no, Mike, you just got to walk away from it. So knowing when to say no is key. And there's power in saying no, because you have to also know the value of your time. So for me, I also have a law firm and I don't charge like cheap rates there either. So it's kind of like, well, I mean, if I don't go do this engagement, it's not like I'm not going to have anything to do. I think some people, <laughs> some people are just a little bit unrealistic. If you don't go do that engagement, you could send out additional pitch emails. You could work yeah. on your business internally. You could, yeah. I mean, especially when I do think you should at least be speaking two times a month on the low end. I don't think you should ever have a calendar where you're just not speaking because as a speaker, you're always learning and getting better. And the value of that is really hard to categorize. So you need to be booked a certain amount of times. My, my minimum is like two a month. I try to do like 40 engagements a year, 35 to 40 a year. I don't try to go over that because like I'd never be home, but <laughs> I, 
some people do 90. Like I, t- I interviewed a speaker who did 90. I'm like, oh, nope, can't do 90. Mm-mm. So I try, to, I try to say, look, I try to say, uh, you know, I'm married. My wife is very supportive and I don't have any kids. I do have church. Yeah, we're resp- married, no kids too. Yeah, so we have church responsibilities. But outside of that, I always say for me, I always say, Mike, you need to do, now I'm a little bit more seasoned, but I say you still need to do a lot more engagements because as, as you know, it's always practice, you know, you yeah. can try out new stuff. But I always say for all of my speakers out there who's saying, well, you know what? And it's nothing wrong with doing a Facebook live or yeah, yeah, yeah. Live. it's nothing wrong. But I say, if you're only doing that, you are not a professional speaker. Oh no. Nobody's going to hire you from uh, Instagram live and say, whoo, I saw that Instagram live. Oh my God. So you do need to be speaking <laughs> as much as possible. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought that up because I didn't know people were doing Instagram yes. lives and saying they were professional speakers. Yes, so I'll be like, wait, <laughs> if there is no, if at some point, if there's not a trend, I'm not saying if you just started today, but at some point there needs to be a transaction made. If there's no transaction and you're not in yeah. front of people, because I always say Instagram live, Facebook live, you can actually stage that, but there's nothing yeah. like real time reps where somebody in the crowd might fart, <laughs> somebody in the crowd yeah. might say something, you can feel the energy in the crowd and you have to do so many of those where you become seasoned. But most, some people, they yes. just do on social media, like I'm a speaker and I'm like, ah. No, the and the distractions, that that is such a key and critical point. Because I was speaking to a friend of mine, her name's Joy, and she teaches the Joy Method. She's a professional speaking coach as well. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that a lot of people want to get paid to speak, but a lot of people don't want to be proficient at speaking, meaning the skill level. And that's so critical because I can help you through Speak Your Way to Cash, we can help you get on your first stage, but I cannot get you on your 50th if you suck one through 49. Like it's not going to work because your repeat business, those grind years are great for formulating the first couple of engagements, but you should be rebooking 50 to 60% of those people on a lower, like I've had years where I've rebooked every single person that I've spoken at. Like they've all, they've been like, yep, Next year, we I have an engagement. I've been doing the same. I swear, I've been doing the same engagement. It's about year four. I do. They want the same because it, it turns over. They have students who turn over in the yes. program. They want the same. I said, "Do you want anything else?" They want the same. They say, <laughs> the last four years. Like, just like that, and I want to see the same joke at minute. Exactly. I want to <laughs> see the same punchline. I like the way. No, Mike, don't change it. We want the same exact thing, and I'm like, "Well, they're gonna cut the check." Right. Why not? <laughs> and it is really, really fun, which makes it hard to say no to engagements because it is so much fun. So I do think having a bank of because, you know, the value of time I'm married, I can't like I can't justify to my husband. Like I'm about to fly halfway across the country to do something. And I'm not coming home with not one check. He'd be like, absolutely not. But if it's close, that makes it easier. If I have yeah. like, babe, I'm gonna do five free engagements a year. Perfect. And then you strategically align those five engagements with everything else you have going on. That's fine. But yeah, I, I do. I appreciate a lot of what you're saying. There's somebody else out there that feels my pain as a speaker, man. It is a lot of ups, downs, a lot of moments, but that's why I think it's so important um, to not see other speakers as competition. Yeah, you do. But at the same time, we are all in this together. And Honestly, there's people that you can reach, Ashley, that I could never reach. It, it doesn't make it bad. It just, yeah. I can't reach them. So I think we need to work to, more together as speakers, sharing resources. Like, I don't have a problem at all. Now, I have to know that you're a good speaker. But I don't have a problem, right. for example, if I know that there's a program and they have, their turnover is not every year, you know, it's every two, three years. I have given out plenty of what I call alley use to other speakers that I know. I'm like, hey, if I were you. I will book this person. So I don't have a problem with doing that. But sometimes we as speakers, we get a little insecure. Like, oh, they're going to take my. And you, you can't do every engagement. So the first engagement that I gave away was because they were looking for a first generation speaker. And I'm like, all right, cool. I mean, I can't make myself a first generation college student. <laughs> so I'm like, right. this is perfect. And my husband actually ended up doing that engagement or he's going to do that engagement. But yeah. I was telling the people in Speak Your Way to Cash, if you tell people what you do, so everyone should know what I do, who, who I speak to. Yeah. And if they know that when something comes up that they can't do, they're like, all right, cool. You can go to this girl. She does that. That's perfect. She's good. Send them your videos because you do need to know that they're good. But we don't we don't always do that enough. 
Um, and one of the guys I interviewed, he does that a lot. Like he's always referring business to other speakers through the NSA programs and just through his friend circle. And we should do that more. Hey, it's, it's, more, it's better to give than it is to receive. So, hey, I always say, look, spread the wealth, man. Everybody, you can't do all the, all the engagement. So why not give it to somebody because it makes you look better to the event organizer, somebody that you know that's good, that you can trust. It's a win-win for everybody. They're happy. The speaker is happy. And it makes you look good. It does. It does make you look good. And it is very, very helpful. So let's talk a little bit about the work because there's people that are listening and they're like, all right, well, what do I need to do to get on Mike's level? How can I speak at all these different schools? How many schools are you speaking at a year? Um, I think I did it last year. I think we did 38, but those are just school based between I did a few colleges, high schools, um, middle schools, but that's just schools like there's other programs, educational programs as well. But I'm trying to even up that more this year. I want to hit, I want to hit about 60. (laughs) You, you want to be gone. (laughs) Oh yeah. I want to be, listen, local, but the, where I live at in Philly, which I just assumed that every place is like this, but literally where I live at in about five to six hours, this is driving. You can get to Boston, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, uh, DC, Virginia, in Maryland in about five to six hours. So I'm kind of, but I'm not that far. Yeah. You live in a good area and New York, they have budgets like the East coast kind of knows what's up. So I think that's okay. So that, that does help. That makes it a little bit better. Cause I'm in Illinois and I was just telling the people that I work with, like I've been booked all over the country. I've never been paid to speak in Illinois. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. And I think I know. It's so true. Like Northwestern. I mean, wait, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Shout out to UIC. They did. (laughs) UIC did pay me to speak. But for the most part, I am booked 80. Like most of my engagements are out of state. Like there's very few that are in in my hometown. Um, Very, very few. Even my alma mater, Northwestern. So no shade to them, but they are not coming out of pocket. So it's kind of unfortunate, but it's also like because of that, you have to kind of consider how much you can travel. So to get those engagements, what did you do? What's that process like? That's the number one thing that I think people could take benefit from is seeing your work. What's your process look like for pitching? How do you have all that set up? Yeah, so first and foremost... um, let me put this out there first and foremost. It'd be easier, I wish, because now I have to go back and do the work that I should have done in the beginning. But and you can, you know this, you want to make sure that you create systems in place because it has saved you a whole, when I say a whole bunch of time, that'd be 50% of the stuff. If you could just have everything be kind of automated and our systems and that. But I think the number one thing is that what everybody must do is you must be able to build relationships. And this is where speakers this is where we get selfish at times. Like it's me, 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 me. And I'm like, no, actually it's not you. You need to be able to add value to the people to not just your audience, but your, you know, your clients, the people that you want to help write you a check. And so I think for me doing this for, in this world for five years, I've been able to build solid relationships. Like I've gotten gigs. There's been some gigs I've gotten. I'm like, how the heck did I even, I've gotten gigs from, Somebody saw me at an event um, that told somebody else. That, by the time it gets back to me, I'm like, your name is what again? It was like, they said that they know you. You spoke at their event. So I think the number one thing is, please, everybody, start building relationships. Like, you want to be make sure that you lead with value. The second thing, if you're a beginner speaker and you say, Mike, I'm, I did a few gigs and it may come through referrals. This is what I teach all of my speakers. The first thing I want you to do is go through your cell phone. You will be amazed and surprised of how many people in here can help you, but you haven't articulated what it is that you do. So I say, look, I want you to go through your cell phone. There is somebody in, this is what I always say, there's somebody in your phone that can help you to get to your next engagement. They just don't know that you're looking for your next engagement. So I, I literally have people do this all the time. And people have gotten, I'm going to say like hundreds of gigs, but they have gotten tens and twenties of gigs from simply going through their phone. I say, you got all these contacts and trust me, it's, it's the six degrees of separation. Everybody knows somebody. So you'd be surprised and say, whoa, my cousin is the principal of, and they was thinking of having, my cousin is the CEO of, mm-hmm. and before you know it, you have these gigs. And this is what I always say. Once you get tapped into a network, 
and you do well, you, you do have to do well at the gig and be respectful and, you know, do everything in decency and order. They will willingly open up their network to you and you yes. start plugged in. And before you know, you next thing you know, you're like the go to person on the circuit. So if you're a beginner speaker, number one, use the contacts that are directly in your phone. Second thing is, and I know it's going to suck. You guys are going to say, well, Mike, that's just not me. You're going to have to do some in the beginning. Now, not when you start getting seasoned, but in the beginning, if you don't have a video like that, you know, you're just starting out. You might have to make some calls. It's painful, I know, but you just might have to make some phone calls and you literally might have to do some cold emails, which I cannot stand. But in the beginning, you have to be able to lay the groundwork because most people, they want to start at the top. But when you start at the top, you don't realize what you missed at the bottom. And so no, they not- do. They want to start at the top because I have people come to me. They're like, I want to make $30,000 in my first engagement tomorrow <laughs> and I would like you to help. And I'm just like, can I have your website? They're like, I don't got that but I need that 30 grand by tomorrow. And that's exactly. I'm like, wait, wait, have you even done a live speech before? And most speakers, you and I both know, and this is no shade, but most speakers think that they're, they're actually better than what they actually are. And I'm like, you need help. Like, and it's not a thing. Oh, that is very true. I've had people come up to me and say like, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. Wait till you see me get on stage. And I'm like, whoa. And I believe it. Cause I'm like, okay, man, man, they're really confident. They get on stage and I'm just like, man, that was so tone deaf. Like I can't. Yeah, you're like, ooh, that was that was so that was a that little. Uh, and a part of it is you have to be careful that you're always putting your audience first. So if you know that you're the 16th speaker on a roster of 20, you need to come with some humor. If you know that they haven't stood up in a while, you need to come with some activity. If you know that there is something huge going on in the news, you need to come with a joke about it. Like you need to be able to adapt to your. Yeah environment and what I see, the people who I've seen who have not been, who I have not enjoyed the most as an audience member have been people who prepare something on a sheet regardless of what's happening in front of them. And that is horrible because it's so boring to watch. I don't like looking, I don't trust you because you're looking down at your piece of paper. I don't know you. I know nothing about you or you're a great speaker, but you get up there and tell me why I suck. And then I'm just like, oh, I am offended at you. At least you tell me why I suck. Paint the picture of why I can be good at the end. It's just like, you just leave me and I suck. I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's like, you people do this, you people do that, and people don't think about this. And I'm just like, whoa, at least tell us a personal story about yourself first. Or, I mean, it's just, it's, I've seen all, I've seen a lot of things that I've just been like, mm-hmm, I don't know about that. You and I both would say, Mike, I am the best. I, I say, first of all, it's always, we got to remember as, as speakers, it's always about the people in the audience. It yes. is ever, ever, ever one time. It's never about us. So I think if we keep that top of mind, like, okay, we, we go into this and you'd be, su- you'd be surprised of how many speakers, like, they don't even think of like, so for example, if I go and I speak at, to parents and I know the parents are older in their fifties or sixties. There's going to be certain things that I say in the way that I say it, because I know their demographic versus if I'm speaking to parents that are maybe around my age. Yeah. And most speakers, they don't even catch it. It's like, we're so like, this speech is going to be great, but you're not paying attention to the audience. You're just like, man, I know that this is going to be great. And I'm like, you're, you're going to miss out on your audience. So yeah, you may have gotten a check, but the question is, if anybody can get a check can you keep getting the check over and over and over and over again? And that's when you start to kind of get into mastery of your actual craft. And I think a lot of it is, um, one of the questions I was asked in the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group was, what do you do after you sign a client? And there was someone that commented and was like, oh, the school should tell you what you should do. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You need your own process because you are, as a speaker, People think of themselves as a speaker. I like to think of myself as a speaker who owns a speaking business, meaning that when someone, when I sign on a client, I have an onboarding process for them. So I have questions that I need to ask them. I have a pre-event call we need to have. And I ask them about their audience. Like, what do you want them to walk away from this? And what resources do you have for them after I leave that I can weave into the presentation? Because it's not, you you don't want to just go speak and then you don't give them anything they can do afterwards to continue to advance. And if you're speaking at a school, a great thing for you to do as a speaker is to figure out what resources does the school have that you can weave into your speech as a resource so students can go back to their counselor and get the stuff they need when you leave. Because you don't really want kids calling you every day. I mean, at least right. I, 
Right. It's kind of weird for me if kids are calling. Right. (laughs) Remember that speech you did? Point two was like, uh, yeah, like I, I can't, I wouldn't be able to help you as quickly as your guidance counselor. So (laughs) I think, I think I, I, I I always say, you know, go. So when, so when you do have somebody, literally, I have a call tomorrow. Thank, thank the Lord. I have a call tomorrow with a superintendent here in Pennsylvania. Um, so, so good, good for that. But I'm, I'm going to lead with. Okay, if you want me to do this event, what does a win look like for you? I'm always putting the expectation, say, you yes. tell me exactly what it is that you that you need. Because you might get off the call and don't be so excited that somebody is reaching out to you that you forget to do business. So I always say, and I've learned this, is I am not a speaker. I'm a businessman who just happens to speak. We have to yeah. get back to doing business first. Because if you just say, I'm just, just a speaker... You limit yourself. And most of the times, especially when we get that first check, it's like, woo! It's like, uh-uh. It's like you need to it take a part of that, amazing. reinvest that, and you want to be able to think of yourself as a business person who just so happens to actually speak. So I always say- I like that. What would this look like for you as a win? Tell me about your- Now, I might know about the, the demographic of students because I typically deal with the same, the same kind of schools, but I never assume. You mm-hmm. never, ever, ever assume. I still, even though I know, I know the answer for a fact, I still ask because even in that, they'll give me a little piece that is special to them. It may not be to everybody else, but it's special to them and say, hey, I want to be able to actually do this. So you want to have a series of questions that you ask them because again, you want to make sure, yes, while they sign you on, they're going to give you a check. You want to make sure that they'll refer you or you want to make sure that it may lead to, again, maybe they, they don't have something that you have. You have a product, something that you have that they can use later on down the line. So you want to be able to work your way into either coming back or an actual contract. And you got to do that from start to finish. I have known plenty of event organizers who say, your last speaker we had, they were good, but they just were hard to work with. They, I'm like, wait. They don't follow up with emails. Literally, I have gotten some gigs because I just follow, I was the first person to follow up. Or they was like, Mike, your follow up, your follow up game is superb. You send me an email, I can do everything from my phone, a contract, everything from my phone, and a touch of a few buttons. Woo! I always say, speed kills. And sometimes yeah. we just be so lackadaisical, like, oh well, I'll get back to them in three days. I, all the speakers I train, I say three days. I said, no, no, no. When you come from an event and you get somebody's information, literally, I'm sending you an email when I'm walking back to the parking lot. I'm sending yeah. you an email. I don't play because I don't know who else you talk to. And I'd rather be in your face versus versus somebody else. And that just goes to the work <laughs> behind the words. So you really have to be able to follow up. And I like something that you said that I don't want anyone to miss. You have to have a process of what you're going to say when you get on the phone. Yep. You do not get on the phone with a potential client. Uh, Talk about yourself first. What sometimes what clients will do is they'll get on the phone like, okay, tell me about your services. I always flip it. You know what? I would love to do that. But first, I want to make sure I know everything about how I can be an asset to you. How long yep. have you been at the school? Mm-hmm. That helps because if they've been at another school, that means not only do they know what goes on at this school, they know what goes on at the other school. What other what other committees are you on? Sometimes people will be hiring for one event, but then you find out they're on the commencement committee, the multicultural committee, the diversity right. committee. There was one woman I spoke to. By the end of our call, we had four different engagements mapped yeah. out that hey, I could hey, speak at. You just, like, to, you just have to ask sometimes. Literally, it's as yes. easy as you just opening up your mouth and asking. So, for example, me and the superintendent, we had spoken. He says, I'm having this event in my school on the 25th and he was like um now the school is about two hours away from where it is that i am then i have to travel back down to baltimore in two days so my whole entire thing is when i go and speak i'm trying to max out so if i'm going to be in a place for a day or two days i'm trying to max out and say what can i possibly do literally he sent me an email back and he said i said hey um you know i'm so happy that you know this is the event is going to be going on we have a phone call tomorrow is there anything else, you know, any other places, schools in your district that I might be able to assist? And he says, you know what? On the 24th, I actually might be able to use you. How about we have a phone call for tomorrow? Sometimes we get just so excited, like yeah. one opportunity. I'm like, no, 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 no. 
You need to be able to ask the right questions to be able to open up that door for you. Because again, you can literally stay in a district, a contract, and that can feed you for a whole year. But you just got to be able to know how to ask the right questions that's going to be able to help them first and it's going to be able to help you on the back end. The other thing is, one thing that I'm starting to do now is offering longer-term programs to colleges. Because if you tell them that, if you figure out through your fact-finding call, the questions that you ask, and people who came to Speak Your Way to Cash Live actually received my fact-finding call script that they can now implement. But one of the things that is good to know is like, what's the real problem they're trying to solve underneath all of this? Because you may be able to pitch them on a four-part series where you're there four times a year and you do a program for them and you include some of your books or your workbooks and you- The longer the better. Lecturer. The longer the better. <laughs> the longer the better. Four part, 10 part, however you want to work it out. But that's a really, really good point. So you mentioned that you're speaking to the superintendent and you've yes. also mentioned that you've talked to principals before. Yep. One of the things that people have said is difficult with high schools and elementary schools is who do you pitch? Do you pitch the principal? Do you pitch the guidance counselor? Are you pitching the superintendent of the district? Who do you typically pitch when you're going in cold and looking to get with a new client? L- literally, this is the painful part about schools and the <laughs> education market. Literally at a high school, this is from my experience. The person who, so sometimes it's even different from the person who is cutting the check and the yeah. person who hires the speaker. Sometimes there are two completely different people. Literally, in schools, it could be the student activities coordinator. It could be the principal. It yeah. could be the guidance counselor. Um, I've literally had, it was the, I've never heard, I've never seen this before, but the person who was the secretary actually got to pick the actual speakers. So you just need to find out, for example, if your thing is school assemblies, I don't know. You need to find out very, very early on, because instead of you leading with pitching, always say, if you're going to be sending out an email, you do not send the initial email out to pitch. You want to find out who is the person that you need to pitch to, because you do all this pitching, but it's going to the wrong person. So it's not going to make a difference in the first place. So you want to send the email out to initially get a response. If you get a response, I'm like, oh, you're typically good, but... It could be a number of those people. So I just call, I'll just call and say, hey, um, you know, my name is Mike Nelson. I was curious, uh, does your school, does the school have, you know, assemblies throughout the school year? Now, if they say no, if they say no, or do you guys invite speakers in? If they say no, the conversation stops. I don't need to try to convince you to do something that you don't do. Yeah. Most speakers, <laughs> you're, 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 like you're trying to convince somebody to do something they're they trying to sell on too many things. It don't even make sense to try to pitch them on it. So if they say, yes, we we actually do. I say, great. Could you tell me, point me to the person of, of who would be over that? And I'll say, yeah, it is John Daly. Uh, he's the principal, right? And so after we, most of the times, they're always in, I think they, they be lying. They're always in meetings, right? Mm-hmm. I said that. These people meet all the time. They're always in meetings, right? My husband works in the school. They do meet all the time. <laughs> they, they do meet all, all the time. I'm talking about they just had meetings on top of meetings. So I always say, they say, well, um, can you leave a, a message? I'll say, yes, I'll leave a message. But do you mind giving me their email? So this way now you have their email. And, when, and if you reach back out, right, it's not really a cold email because you can refer and say, hey, the admin, Susie Johnson, Refer. She told me that you are the person. So yeah. now they're more apt to answer versus you. You just going online and saying, "Okay, this is the person." This is why I'm always saying, especially if you have a dynamic personality, always get on the phone because I can't feel your tone through an email. Like I can't. It's not wrong with emailing, but you always want to pick up the phone. And I always say this: what you see on stage, while it is quote unquote magic. But it's speaking is only 10 percent, probably less than it. But let's go with 10 percent on stage. It's the 90 percent away from the stage that allows the 10 percent to happen. Yeah. But as speakers, we, we want to start with just the stage stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. Let's bring you back in. It's a whole bunch of stuff that you got to do before you ever hit the stage. Which is the business stuff. And it's almost like because um, I was a jury trial. Well, I guess I am 
I'm still a lawyer, but but when I first started my legal career, I was doing federal jury trials across the country. And 90% of what we did was prep for the trial, write, read, research. Only 10% was the actual jury stuff. And that was the the glorious stuff. That was my Olivia Pope moment. But those moments were few and far between. So for the most part, I was like in an office doing the work, the unglamorous, unsexy work. But that's what made the trial dope. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the whole nine, getting hung up on people tell you uh no that's okay look I, re- I remember in the beginning i used to say look i just say look just let me come when i was trying to you know get my feet wet just let yeah. me come for free they'll be like no we'll have no time do not come i'm like is it that bad i'm like jesus is it that bad i can't come for free look just give me a room with all of the students that you guys don't like to deal with just give me those students no mike i'm no sorry and i'm like Whew. But so you were cold calling essentially to get oh for, for sure I was co- I was making phone calls after phone calls after phone calls but once you're able to do well right and you want to make sure as a speaker you always ask for referrals referrals are golden referrals are your best friend I believe that they convert at a higher rate than you just doing a cold call or email because the person that you got done speaking for if they give you three or four names of people they're going to be more likely to say, oh, I've had it so well where the person who I spoke for, they either called or emailed the actual person say, hey, you need to make sure that you get this guy. So sometimes if you do the right work as a speaker, sometimes it's so easy, like the people will help you, but you just have to know again, what questions to ask. Um, You want to get video testimonials for sure. If you want to get a one that's... um, a typed up one, which I, I'm good on, but video is always key. If you have 20 people saying that you were so great, it's like, it's going to be, and you have video that's great, as I always say, video footage is another form of currency. That video, whoo, if you got a dynamic video of you speaking and you have people who can vouch for you, that's all testimonials are. People are vouching for you and you can solve a problem it's going to be very hard for that company or school, whatever, to be like, they're at least going to give you a shot. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, they're going to be interested. They're going to be interested. So let's talk about those early years, because I know there are people listening like, oh, I know that when I get the shot on stage, I can kill it and I'll get referrals, but I need that (laughs) shot. Um, When you're, so they're at home, they're listening to this and they're like, all right, tomorrow I'm going to hit the phones. Yeah. Where do, who do I start calling? Am I just looking at college? Did you go by geographic location? So yeah. all the high schools in Illinois first or all the high schools yeah. in your hometown first? How did you kind of sort that out? Start home and then spread out, right? So start home, wherever it is that you are, I would say. So for example, like, duh, why don't you start now? Unfortunately for me, my high school was shut down. So I couldn't go back to my high school because they closed my high school down. But you want to start with what is very familiar if you went to college start start at your college but you want to start with all of the and you have to decide again what's your lane so are you speaking because just because you speak to students don't mean that you speak to elementary or college so if you're speaking to high schools you want to start with the high schools that are in your area right so first and foremost when you you send out those emails right or phone calls however it is that you would like to do again i'm a big person on doing the phone calls you start there and then you work your way out. So what's the next state over? For me, I'm in Pennsylvania. The next state over is Jersey. Jersey is a 20-minute ride after I hit all of those in Jersey. But you have to start with a specific, I want to say pocket, like an area. So don't just be like, I'm going to hit all of these schools. I mean, you can if you want, but you're going to get burnt out. So I would say, for example, you want to start with all charter schools in your area, start with all charter schools in the area. You want to start with Botech schools in the area, start with all Botech. But the real thing is you have to know specifically the problem that you solve first, because it doesn't make sense for me to call the best high school and where I am. And like, they don't have a problem with the stuff. They just don't have a problem with the stuff that I speak about. You're going to be wasting your time. So first and foremost, find out what it is problem that you solve. Cause I always say there's really no such thing as a, motivational speaker we just use our we just have the platform to solve problems that's all and we just use it while we're on stage but i would start there locally so phone context that's the first thing maybe 25 contacts in your phone the first 25 and start hey start the pitch process there 
they know you, <laughs> they know you, and they're gonna say, I've had people literally come to me and say, Yo, Mike, it worked. They they can't believe it. I said, Well, I told you it was gonna work. That's something that I did. Hey, my name is Mike Nelson. I'm a blah 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 blah. This is what it is that I do. And you'll get people, people are eager to help you. So start there. Then you start with the small pockets that we talked about, whether it be high schools, colleges, like schools that align with the stuff that you would like to do. Like I know for for example, there are certain schools or demographics that I know that they just don't, they, they not feeling my swag. They just like, yo, this is too much, Mike. I'm like, it's good to know that early on um, as much as possible because this way you're not going back and forth or you're going up this windy road. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you start out small and you just start to expand your territory. Now, ideally you want to get to a point where you can hire somebody eventually to start doing like uh, phone calls and booking for you. But in the beginning for all of my new speakers, it is going to suck. As a matter of fact, there's still days <laughs> when it still sucks. Right. It's still days when it now it may suck a little bit less than it did three years ago. Right. But you're going to there's no easy way to get around it. And the reason why I always say you start off doing phone calls is because when you hire somebody, you know you know what they should be doing. But if you hire somebody and you don't know the process, you don't know you the can't steps. Teach them. Yeah. You can't train them. You can't give them any material. You can't, you can't, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Even when, even now that I can hire people, one of the things that I, that I made a mistake of doing, I just started using Kartra, this new email system. Kartra, if you want to sponsor this podcast, let me know. But (laughs) they're great, but they don't have a person, like they don't, like I also use Dipsado for client management. Dipsado, phenomenal. They got all these people that'll help you. It's great. Cartra, no. You're going to pay all this money for this program. We ain't going to give you no number to call. There's no, Do not call mm. us if it goes south. So I hired someone to do all the Cartra emails, which was great. But I didn't know how to use the system. So uh, even though she delivered it and looked nice, I was like, man, I don't even know how to check this. So I had to hire a whole nother expert to teach me how to use the system so that I could check the work that I was outsourcing. So now it's like, okay, Ashley, duh, that's what you have to do. But as a business owner, you have to think so differently than you did as an employee where you could have a whole marketing department. You don't know nothing about marketing. You send it to them and it works out because there's someone else in that department checking it that knows what they're doing. When it's just you as the CEO, you have to at least know enough to know whether it's working, have some ROI metrics. So... Yes, because I do now have someone that sends out all my initial pitch emails. So when I get those responses, that's like, we do not want you here. I'm like, you ain't even sending that to me. I'm cool. Like, <laughs> I used to be so hurt when I used to win. Some, I used to take it personal when somebody would say, like, I used to think it was a personal attack against me. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm a good guy. <laughs> you tell me that you don't want to hire me? Have you lost your mind? You don't yeah, like, understand? What I do to you? Yeah, I'm like, and who are you? And I was like, wait, Mike, this is not, it's not anything that you are doing personally like like it, it, it sometimes pitching sometimes it's just and again you have to know the cycle of your your clients so for example it doesn't make sense a lot of my people like their budgets is towards the end of the school year like they start to actually plan for the next school year but it doesn't make sense for me to try to do stuff september october because school is already in session um, and now there, there is some money that's still available. That's still there. That hasn't been used, but you want to do your heaviest stuff. Like the, the beginning of the end of the, of the last school year, you want to be able to do it like at the very end, because again, the but would new, that be now? Cause it's the summer. Yeah. But you probably, well, not you, but yeah, but you should have been doing it probably around May, June, right? Because a lot of the, of administrators, they're on break. They're taking mm-hmm. vacations. And so by the time that you get to August, a lot of the budget has already been accounted for. I have literally got gigs. I don't even think if they knew I was good. I, it just was the right time, right place. And they just were like, well, we do have $2,000 that we allotted for a speaker. So I guess you won. And I'm like, well, praise <laughs> God. I, sometimes it literally is a timing thing. So this is what I'm saying. After you're in it for a while, you start to know the cycles of your clients. Like you start to pick up on that stuff. But in the beginning, it's just a lot of work that is going to absolutely suck. But once you realize like I'm doing this because I want to be able to make the impact, um, I'm doing it over a long period of time. So eventually I'll have be able to influence my audience. And the third thing is the income. But I always say this and I've learned this money is the very last thing to come. Like you do not lead with money. Like, Ooh, I can't, 
I want to be a speaker so I can get paid. Nothing wrong with that. You should be getting paid. But if you're leading with that, you're going to be disappointed. You just are. Yeah, you are. Because it's just it's just too much work. There's so much easier. There's easier ways to get paid. Um, at least in the beginning, it's so much work that I think it weeds out people that aren't interested in using their voice because it's just so, it's such a heavy lift in the beginning and it takes time. And I love when speakers, there was a speaker I interviewed and I think he said his first year he made $10,000. Praise and God. That was I his I first, <laughs> yeah, that was his first year. So he was like my first year. So it took him, I think is maybe fourth or fifth year. He started getting into the six figure mark, but it took so much time. And I tell people, like, you really do need to chill out. Like, it, it's going to take time. It's just going to take time and effort. Um, so you said that you, there's no real way to tell which person you should be pitching. What about buying lists? Because they have a lot of people who sell lists of high schools. You can, but again, I'm a big... I think that you should buy a list after you've done the groundwork first. Yeah. So that I think it's nothing wrong with buying a list. Um, I have bought, and I bought, a, I bought a few lists, but I think, again... You have to lay the groundwork first. Like people, there, there is no easy formula to get around from doing the work in the beginning. Yeah. So I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with buying lists, but I think you should know the processes because again, eventually at some point, you want to be able to hire people or a team where literally all you do is oversee and you do what you do best. Like my personality, I am not an admin person. Like that just, it, it, I get hives. I'm like, wait, do I got to put this in order and put that in order? But you do it in the beginning so you can know how to hire. So it's nothing wrong with buying lists. But again, you need to lay the groundwork. And as you know, speaking literally is a momentum game. It's almost like you, you riding your bike up a hill. It takes so long, so many hours. Your legs yeah. are tired. You're thirsty. But ooh, the minute that you get to the bottom, you don't even have to pedal. So everybody yeah. is going up the top. Like, trust me, it. It's a real top at some point. You're going to get there, but you're not going to get there if you just always complain. I, look, I get to the point now, I don't have tolerance for it. I just say, look, I told you in the beginning it was going to suck. This, like, I know that you say, I want to speak and make all this money and talk to all these people, but this is the part that you wasn't listening to. I told you. I know. We try to tell people. <laughs> I always but encourage people. Great. I try to discourage them. I like it. I, but I also, I like sales. So before I became a lawyer, I was in sales. So I don't mind the calling and all of that. That doesn't stress me out at all. Um, you mentioned that there's a lot of different people you're going to pitch. It's going to yeah. suck in the beginning. Yeah. Um, what is the average high school budget versus elementary school? What should people be expecting? Because there's typically averages. Like in college, you could probably do, they're used to anywhere from 2,500 to 7,500, depending yeah. on how your materials look, to be honest. I think it's totally based on how your materials look. Yeah. Elementary schools, I'm going to say on the, the low end, you want to go from 500 to 500 to 1,500. Now, depending on the school district, again, this is why you have to know, depending on the school district, you can get anywhere from 2,000 to about 3,000 in the high school, just for like a mm -hmm. school assembly, like an hour, hour talk. Now, mm -hmm. these numbers will vary depending on the district that you're in. But I'm telling you, like, people sleep on the, now, people sleep on the high school market. I say, yo, it's a real thing. They, they have the same exact programs year after year after year. And there is real money that you can actually get, especially if you're starting out and you need to practice. Like, that's a great market to start out. And when you get to colleges, of course, you start getting into like 25, 3, 4, 5, 6. Mm -hmm. But again, what I always tell all of my speakers is from the stuff that you talk about, you want to have a program that runs behind it. So this way you can be there longer. So yep. for example, I have a book, which is for students, right? So I try to make sure everything is like a package deal. I just say, look, I'm, I'm Mr. Package. I try to package you to death because again, they're going to try to get the most, they're going to try to get the most out of you for the least amount of money. They just are. So my job is to say, wait a minute, let me go. It's a mutual exchange. If you say, Mike, I want to book you for a school assembly. I'm like, this is great. Especially if you tell me, if I ask you and say, well, what are some of the challenges? You just say, well, Mike, I like the, uh, the video that I saw. We just need basic motivation. Now I'm like, okay, now I'm about, I'm about to pitch you real, real hard now. I want to do assembly and you guys need to buy copies of my books, right? And I used to be afraid at first. I'm like, 
Mike, they no, not- they love that. They love it. Right. I was like, Mike, they're not going to buy 150 copies of your book at $20. Have you lost your mind? And then when I said it, they were like, wait, you have a book? Yeah, just- they love it. How is like, whoo, there have been literally sometimes where, you know, they can't pay you a speaking fee because they don't do that, but they say, we will purchase 300 copies. I'm like, easy, yeah. done. We'll work it out. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So it just, it ranges. Um, educational nonprofits have gotten, I, I think the most I've gotten from an educational nonprofit is three grand, um, but they can range anywhere. Like Gear Up and Trio and those? Okay. Tri- like programs like Trio, um, programs that deal with students specifically. Like I've been brought in as a keynote speaker and then like a workshop speaker to do a breakout sessions. Um, so they range from, I want to say anyone in the low end from a thousand to about 3000, but those programs speakers, if you can get into those programs, for example, I spoke for the New Jersey department of, um, family services, mm-hmm. literally they oversee all of the programs in their state that has to do with families and students. So they're connected to so many different schools, other programs. So literally if you can get connected to a educational, like institution, non-profit, you can literally do work there for like an entire year because there's so many moving parts. But just trying to do like one off school assembly, it's like, that's great. But this is what I'm saying. You want to have a book and you want to have a program that at least goes with your book. So this way you can try to make as much money as you possibly can. When you say a program that goes with your book, do you mean a multi-series workshop or do you mean like a virtual program? What type of program? However that you want to set it up, you can do virtual. You can do virtual. Like, for example, I have a book that's called Yes, You Can, Seven Keys to Student Success. So it's a seven-week workshop, right? So when I come in, I come in and I talk and I say, okay, you guys, you know, they say, Mike, we want you to talk about three principles from the actual book. I'm like, great. So I'll come in, I'll do that. They buy the book and then I come back and this is what blows my mind all the time. I say, wait, so you guys are going to pay me to come back to teach stuff that's out the book? I was like, y'all can do this your own self. But they was like, no, 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 Mike, we want to make sure that you do it since you're the author. I'm like, if y'all going to cut the check, I said, I will be there. <laughs> And how do you price out for something like that? Because I know with people in programming, the pricing varies greatly. We had a woman on, Dr. Jenna, who's awesome. She said she did $50,000 for like seven 15-minute speeches. But she was in the corporate world. Oh, yeah, the corporate world is way different. Yeah, the corporate world is way different. So how do you price out for an educational program that's like a seven-week workshop that goes with your book? Again, uh, a lot of this, (laughs) schools is the only place. I think corporate you kind of have, but like, we're in this ballpark range, but literally mm-hmm. it just depends on the district and what funds they have uh, available. So I've done programs where it's been, uh, it's been 3,500, uh, five, uh, two grand. It just depends on what kind of budget do, do they have. But what you mm-hmm. want to do is you want to be on the front end of it. You want to go in and create the program already that fits their needs. And this is what I always say. You put the price on there and then you let them tell you, ah, it's too high. Sometimes we talk ourselves out of money. I've done I it. I agree. I've done it before where you'll say a price and they respond too quick and say, oh, yeah, good. That's great. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> Wait a minute. You need to reconsider. They're like, I probably could have yeah. doubled that and they, it gave them some pushback, but I could have made it. So listen, create the program. Um, and when you create the program, especially in the educational world, if you do the program, you need data that says that it actually works because the yeah. data is the key. Because when you have data, you become what I like to say, almost like a superstar to say, hey, this program actually works. Our students had this kind of turnaround, whether it was them not getting suspended anymore. It was less fights. So once you're able to attach that data to it and say this program works and you've done it at two and three schools, the floodgates will open up. So. I want to say when you put your price on a program, that really depends on what, however it is that you feel comfortable with. For example, seven-week program is some people I know, they do a seven-week program. They've gotten $10,000, but that's because that's what the district had. Meanwhile, you go to a district where it's a, a Title I school, the funds may not be as high. It might be, well, Mike, we only got three grand. But again, you have to be comfortable in the number that you say and the, com- and the number that you say, 
I'm going to walk away from this because for me to come in here for 10 weeks and to deal with, especially if they're, I want to say bad, but challenging students, mm-hmm. um, it's not worth it. Like it, it, it's just not, it's sometimes I say, look, you want me to do a 14 week pro- program and you will, you you only pay me a thousand dollars. I'm grateful that you, you want to pay me, but 14 weeks, you got to factor in gas. <laughs> you got to factor in all that. If the students are more challenging, like, so it's a lot of stuff that you have to factor in, but I would say create the program and put on there, whatever it is that you feel comfortable with. Now I wouldn't do, I would at least start minimum. I would start at probably at least a thousand dollars because anything less, it kind of comes off as cheap. If it's like, I'm going to do a six week program. It's going to be $300. It's like, uh, no, none of you. No, you can't. Yeah. No, I've talked to people who do things like that. Even a thousand dollars seems like it's going to be because you have to think about the value of your time. If you like what what value could you create if you weren't doing that? So that, yeah, your rates, the rates go all over the board, guys. So as we as we decide or as we start to close out, I did want to ask you what systems you use that help your business to run optimally. So, again, I started backwards. So I just started. um well, I, I didn't just start, but there is a CRM. It is called uh, in Insightly. So I'm not. I'm. I do not claim to be the guru at systems, right? And I've been fortunately. I have been blessed because I have a lot of relationships. But I just had a meeting with a guy, and he told me. He said, "Look, Mike, all the stuff that you're doing is great, but he said with systems, if you have more systems in place, you can literally probably double your income." So he's Ew, walking yeah. through. He's walking me through now. Look, look, Mike, we're going to make sure that we get you this. Now, I do have a email list of, you know, con- principals and people that I have contacted. So I'll contact them. Um, I'll contact them and send them like content and articles and stuff like that. But he said, look, he started naming all of these. Again, this is why you, you need to hire somebody. If you're not familiar, like you can learn it. So I know a, a teeny bit but you really need to get somebody who knows that stuff. Because again, yes. my, my personality, it's going to drive me crazy trying to implement this, this system, this system, this system. I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. But I do know that you do need a uh, system to go ahead and get started. Like you, that's what you should start out with first. Because again, you don't want to be backwards and say, I'm just going to go ahead and start out speaking. But then again, sometimes we overthink it. And I'm like, I, don't overthink. Like, just go ahead and speak because you don't have any reps under your belt. Yeah. So for me, I'm using Insightly now. Um, I can take uh, I can take payments through. Uh, you you can actually if you have a uh, school who is um, paying you like um, recurring fee, you can have. Uh, I do Stripe. Um, mm-hmm. So there's other systems out there, but I don't have too many systems. Like a whole bunch of a system that is making this stuff run. A lot of stuff I'm still doing on my own, but uh, I'm working with somebody that's going to be able to help me. That's dope. And then have you brought anyone else on like in the admin role yet, or are you planning to do that? Well, uh, I was trying to, I was trying to have my wife help me, but uh, that's, (laughs) (laughs) that has been, uh, that's, I'm just going to say that has been a a unique experience. (laughs) But no, but she does do a lot. She does have taken on the role of booking because again, my thing is with booking, my personality is, and you guys can call me crazy if you want, I always want to be seen as the good guy. And when you yeah. have to go back and you have to keep negotiating and do all this, and my wife, her personality is she's very dominant person, like very strong mm-hmm. personality. So she doesn't have a problem with saying, look, I'm, I'm sorry, then we can't, Mike cannot do it, fortunately. So she has taken on the role of uh, doing some bookings uh now it's, if it's somebody like a client that i know that we book every year i'll just go ahead and do it but yeah anything you know, i'm like oh i can pass it off to you then i have somebody who does a uh, videography um that is very 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 key of that is key. books um again i'm not saying that you got to be spending well in the beginning if you don't have it you don't have to be spending thousands and thousands of dollars but as long as it's very you know it's sharp quality Again, your footage is going to be able to literally open up. I have gotten gigs, thousands of dollars from free footage. So you want to make sure systems is great. No doubt that you need them, but you always want to be recording. Anytime that you talk, it needs to be recorded if possible. I, yeah. I talk, listen, I say, look, if I, when I get into an argument with 
my wife, I say, man, I'm lucky I can't have on a recorder. I said, but I can't go ahead and do that. But I always <laughs> want to be, you always want to have a camera on you and you always want to have some type of microphone because it literally, guys, it is going to help you. It speaks for you. You don't have to do a lot of selling and pitching. If you got all these testimonials, you got all of these places where you've spoken it in gigs, you, you don't have to pitch as hard because the work is there. But most of the times we don't have the work. So you have to pitch hard, but you still should pitch hard. Yeah, no, this is dope. This was such a good interview. I am super excited about it because we have not interviewed anyone else that speaks to elementary schools and high schools. This is great information for you all who are interested in doing more in the education market. So Mike, where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? What, where, where are you at on the internet? <laughs> yeah, so I am at MikeNelsonSpeaks.com. Um, I am on Instagram at Mike, the motivator, all common spelling, all one word. I'm on Facebook as Mike Nelson, but it is literally 50,000 Mike Nelsons on Facebook. So you might be scrolling for a while. Uh, I'm on Twitter at MNelsonSpeaks. I'm on LinkedIn also as Mike Nelson. So and so feel free to shoot me a message and DM if I can help you guys in any way. You just say, hey, Mike, I'm struggling with this. I'm trying to get into this school. Uh, I will be more than happy to help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you for joining Speak Your Way to Cash. All right, guys, you heard it from Mike first. Make sure you're doing the work. Make sure you're getting on the phone. Make sure you get you some systems and don't be afraid to ask for your rate and always have a program. Mike, this was dope. Thank you. I appreciate you coming out and talking to the Speak Your Way to Cash fam. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let's go win. 